Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for August 4th. How's everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. We have a great podcast lined up for you today. Nick's going to come on. We're going to talk some fantasy football. We're doing three team previews today. We're going to look at the Ravens. We're going to look at the Chargers. And we're going to look at the Dolphins. Real good conversation with Nick. Talking about the players we're going to target. Just kind of looking at the skill positions, our thought process, and all those guys. Next, Jim's going to come on. Jim is going to talk some CFL. We're going to tell you the bets we like for this week. Jim and I are in agreement. We have two bets that we really like. Jim has a lot of action, so you're going to want to check that out. And as always, Brandon, the man who hit Chris Busher 60-1 to 1, is on. Him and I are going to talk some NASCAR. We're going to share what bets we are knocking, locking in Excuse me for the Michigan International Speedway Race. So, great show. Obviously, NFL preseason game is going on right now with the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. Reminder, every single Tuesday, we're going to be having the ETOF 2-1 Sports Show where we're going to be previewing every single conference. So far, we have previewed the AFC East, NFC West, NFC South, and NFC North. NFC East is next week. Then we're going to finish off with the AFC South and the AFC West. So I'm really excited about that. Make sure to check those out. All my future bets are there. Everyone is like, Eric, where can we find your future bets? Where can we find your future bets? That's where you can find my future bets, people. Right there. And if you've been tailing along, you are. we are in a absolutely phenomenal position Lining up for our futures going into the season, I'm very confident. Hopefully, you guys have been tailing along. All that stuff can be found on my YouTube channel. Now, baseball. Baseball is a minute of fucking train wreck this year. Uh, I have a model I follow for the most part. I like it. Little bit of hiccup to end the season. You know, we had a couple bad beats. Part of the game. I'm not going to be over here crying over spilled milk like most of the people. So, we're going to be having our head down, trying to finish in the green for baseball. A little in the red now. But for the whole year, when you look at it with our ROI for college football, college basketball, NBA, and NFL, it is money in the bank. So hopefully you guys have been along for that. And yeah, my one thing is this. The one thing I find funny is this is a type of year where everyone talks about how good they are at football, blah, 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 blah. Notice the same thing starts out with college basketball. The same thing starts with NBA. The same thing starts with MLB. It's like these guys just have negative ROIs and they're talking about how good they are. Also, last night, the college football tailgate with Jim, Chase, and myself, we previewed the Big 12. I have one team I'm really, really high on there. A couple more teams I think would be a dark horse. You're going to want to check that out. But like I said, great show, phenomenal show. Thanks for tuning in. Let's jump right into it, and let's talk some fantasy football. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking fantasy football, and who better going to come on than Nick, a.k.a. FNA. A fantasy on Twitter. Nick, how are you doing today, my man? Great. How are you doing, Eric? Good, good, good. We're going to be continuing our look at teams via in terms of fantasy football. And we're going to be doing three teams today. We're going to start out with the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, with the Miami Dolphins, we need to talk. We'll start the talk with Tua. Fantasy Pros has his ADP of 92 and he's quarterback 11. But Hill and Waddle have ADPs in the top 23, and both wide receivers in the top 11. If that's the case, Tua is going to be a top top five, top six quarterback just based on math alone. 
What are your thoughts on Tua going into this season? Yeah, Tua is risky for me. I mean, the concussion issues concern me a lot. Um, I know he put up some big numbers last year, but you know the math this year says he's an easy top ten QB. But I'm out on Tua because of con- concussion concerns. Um, you know that honestly could end his career early. Uh, it, it actually really is worrisome for me. Um, so I don't. And again, he, last year he he played against the 49ers and he looked like a high school quarterback. So against elite defenses, he looks, he doesn't look great <laughs> at all. But if he's healthy, you know what I mean? Cause you're like, you're saying you're going to fade him because of the injury risk. Hypothetically, if he's healthy, are you in on him? No, I'm still not. <laughs> Tua or Dak Prescott? Neither. <laughs> I don't want either one of them. <laughs> I mean, I've been watching Dak in training camp, and he looks terrible. <laughs> so I don't want either one. Tua or Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> well, as I said last week, I'm fading Aaron Rodgers. I'm also fading Tua, so I don't want either one of them either. <laughs> Tua or Captain Kirk? Captain Kirk. <laughs> Tua or Deshaun Watson? Uh, Watson, I guess. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm just not in on Tua, man. <laughs> the running back position is interesting to me. They could be adding Dalvin Cook. Right now, they have rookie Devon H and ADP 126, Raheem Mostert, AT, ADP 142, and Jeff Wilson. ADP 161. What do you think of them? Is there anyone that you are currently targeting? Man, this is a messy backfield. Um, you know, Mostert's currently number one on the depth chart, but A-Chain is currently a higher ADP than Mostert and Wilson. So the thinking is A-Chain is going to be the number one guy with Mostert being north of 30. Um, you know, if the Dolphins do sign Cook, then Mostert will most likely be traded. And this is going to muddy the waters even more in that backfield. Um, I think A-Chain is someone to watch, though. He's currently RB39, and I would draft A-Chain later if Cook isn't signed in Miami and stash him on the bench. The wide receivers of Hill and Water are both in the in the top 23 of the ADP. Hill, ADP of 7, and Waddle, ADP of 23. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, as I talked about in earlier shows, you know, I believe Hill hit his ceiling last year. Uh, Hill still have his explosive plays because of his ungodly speed, but I actually like Jalen Waddle. Everyone's going to be focusing on Hill, and I believe Waddle will have another another great fantasy year like he did last year. Uh, I mean, honestly, if I go wide receiver, wide receiver in the draft, I could see taking Waddle as a nice wide receiver too that can produce wide receiver one numbers. Buddy, 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 I disagree with you at Jalen Waddle. Okay. This That's is fine. this That's is what my, we're here for. This, this is my this is my thing with Waddle. Yeah. 26th in targets, 27th in receptions, but seventh in yards. Math wise, that doesn't add up. So I'm okay. I'm just banking on him regressing to the norm. So that's my thing. That's why I'm I'm out on Jalen Waddle. You know, I'm on his under yardage total, the whole nine yards. 
But I respect your opinion, and we're here to have differences of opinion. We'll have to have a beer about that. If he finishes – if Jalen Waddle finishes 23 or higher in – no, no. We'll say if he finishes seven, 20, 23 or higher in ADP at the end of the year, you win. 23 or lower, I win. How about a top now, 15 wide receiver finish? That That's fine. We'll do top 15 wide receivers. All right. Uh, Durham Smith is slated to be the starting tight end. He doesn't have an ADP. Is he worth a flyer? Nah. I mean, unless he's got a great matchup in DFS, maybe I'll take a shot at him. But otherwise, no. So in terms of targets for this team, who exactly are you looking at? <laughs> I mean, like I said, uh, A-Chain is a guy I'm going to keep an eye on, see how the running back situation kind of shapes out through training camp and preseason. Um, but he's a guy I'd like to get. I think there's some value there. Um, I don't know if they're going to sign Dalvin Cook or not, so I'm, I'm staying away from that. And, um, you know, I, I do – I do think Waddle is somebody I would target in the right situation. If I go wide receiver, wide receiver, and he's there, um, there's a few guys I like better, but I could still see going for him. But I'm out on Tua. Um, I'm not going to go with Tyreek Hill for how high he is. I'm, I'm just going to stay away um, as well. He's not, he's not a guy I'm looking for um, you know, in my draft. I like Tyreek Hill. That's basically the only one. Maybe one of the running backs, um, but you're right. It kind of depends on what happens with um, in terms of Delvin Cook coming there. Now let's shift our attention over to the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert currently has an ADP of 42, quarterback seven. What are your thoughts on Justin Herbert? Well, I drafted him last year, and I was let down by him but that was mostly because of that the rib injury he had early on in the season um you know that really hindered him but yet he still i mean he didn't run as much last year but he still threw for over 4700 yards so a healthy herbert this year he'll get back to the numbers that he had in the first couple of years in the league um you have to remember that this guy has the most passing yards and most total touchdowns in nfl history through the first three years of his career so I'm still in on Justin Herbert. You're still on her on Herbie. Oh yeah, you're you're on the Herbie train. I am. I, uh, I'm not going away from him. <laughs> Herbert or Lamar Jackson? You know, I I like Herbert more. Jackson's decline in rushing and the injuries piling up just kind of make him a risky play, more risky play for me than Herbert. Justin Herbert or Justin Fields? I'm going to go with Fields uh, just because of the uh, dynamic running ability. Justin Herbert or T-Law, Terrence Lawrence? So funny you should ask this because I had Herbert last year as my starter and Lawrence as my backup. Um, and I ended, using Lawrence, ended up using Lawrence more. But I'm still going to go with Herbert over Lawrence because a healthy Herbert, I still think is a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. Now let's shift our attention to Austin Eckler. Eckler finished the season's RB rod as the fourth overall player currently has an ADP of three 
What are your thoughts on Austin Eckler this season? Uh, I'm out on Eckler. Um, you know, the running back isn't featured as much in Moore's offense versus the Lombardi offense. Uh, four targets less per game, three receptions less per game, and 25 yards less per game. Plus, Moore ran the offense with the Cowboys, you know, and that was a, a duo attack. So you could see a little more timeshare taking stuff away from Eckler. Um, it's a fast-paced offense. I think you're going to see a lot more, um, you know, throws to the wide receivers. I agree 100%. And, like, the analogy for the people listening that I can give about football is football is a lot like risk, the board game risk. Each of us have different ways we're going to attack the board. You know what I mean? Like, you may – like, I'm old school. Like, I feel like you got to run the ball, pound, pound it, blah, 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 blah. Nick's more new school, air it out and throw it. We just have different concepts, and we're the ones calling the plays. So since we're the play caller – our players are going to run whatever we say. So that's something that's important to remember. Um, so I totally agree with you. I think with the change in play caller, he is out. Um, with the wide receiver, it is interesting. With the offense of more, I want a piece of it. But I really don't know which player to invest in. We have Keenan Allen, ADP of 443, wide receiver 18. Mike Williams, ADP of 62, wide receiver 26. Quinton Johnson, ADP of 116, wide receiver 47. What are your thoughts on the wide receiver room? You know, I love this wide receiver room. There's so much talent, um, but the injuries are an issue for Allen and Williams, as we've seen. Um, I'm still in on Allen because this is a high-paced offense. Uh, it's still a risky pick in my eyes, but obviously if you're picking him as your wide receiver too, I think he's worth it. Um, <clears throat> and I would take a flyer on – uh, Quentin Johnston as well, because if either Allen or Williams go down, he's the next guy up. Um, you know, that's, uh, and Mike Williams, you know, he's kind of that boomer bus guy for me. Uh, so I'm not really in on Mike Williams to draft him. Yeah. He's never really been able to stay healthy since, since Clemson. Um, I kind of feel like Keenan Allen's kind of the guy you want to have, but you really don't know about his, Injury history, he's coming back from injuries, 33. But on the flip side of that, he is on the contract year. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting room. Maybe we'll have to see a couple preseason games before we can kind of sniff into it. Debo Samuel or Keenan Allen? Yeah, I would go with Samuel because of his rushing and, and pass catching upside. Uh, Amari Cooper or Keenan Allen? I like, I like Allen more, you know, I trust he'll get the, you know, the 10 targets a game in that offense, as long as he stays healthy on the field. Mike Williams or Tyler Lockett? I'm going to go with Mike Williams on this one because I'm, I'm really down on Lockett this year. I believe he's just going to get passed up by Smith and the Jigba pretty quickly. So I'm, I'm more in on Mike Williams. Mike Williams or Drake London? Ah, uh, so again, like I said, Williams is more of a boomer bus guy for me. So, you know, I like Drake London to be more of that steady target guy. Quentin Johnson or Cortland Sutton? So I like Sutton to have a bounce back year. Uh, I've, I've been hearing that he's been studying Michael Thomas's role in Sean Payton's offense. So that can make him a real target hog and give himself a real big season if uh, if that offense takes off. 
Quentin Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster? So I know people are down on Juju, uh, but I like him in New England, and it's really looking like he's going to be that slot receiver there. Um, he's already been working out of it and performing very well, so I think that's great news for his fantasy value. So I'm, I'm in on Juju. We have Gerald Everett, who currently has an ADP of 150, tight end 17. Is he worth a flyer? I like Everett as a uh, DFS situational play. I mean, he can come up with the goods once in a while and a good matchup, so I like him there. I don't think he's worth drafting um, in uh, regular fantasy, though. Now, let's shift our attention. We're going to be doing three this week because the season is actually right around the corner. We're going to go to the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson is currently quarterback five, overall ranking of 37, with the changes of the offense of Jackson's rushing yards declining last season from the previous season. What are your thoughts on Jackson this year in terms of fantasy football? Yeah, Jackson's super risky for me. Uh, The decline in rushing yards, the injuries, the new offensive coordinator, you know, all I'm saying is that if you draft Jackson, you better have a good backup quarterback. <laughs> hey, he can't stay healthy. Um, I know. He can't. <laughs> I'm out on Jackson this year. I mean, he's just – I think he's going to look to throw. I don't think he's going to look to run it as much. And his rushing production has dropped the last two years. So, you know, I look for that trend to continue. Um J.K. Dobbins is a monster, and I love him, but he's only played 23 games in the last two seasons, and he's getting caught from behind by defenders. There's rumors that he wants to be traded, and he's not around at camp, so there's something going on there. Ravens brought in Melvin Gordon to go along with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Are we in on Dobbins? Um, If Dobbins is out, do we want a piece of Edwards, Gordon, or Hill? Yeah, I, I love Dobbins, too. Um, but if he leaves, I really don't want any other part of this backfield. There's too many cooks in the kitchen here. And Lamar takes away so much from them as well. And, you know, those Edwards, Gordon, and Hill, they're not going to get you, you know, why, uh, running back one, two numbers every week. I I just don't – I don't see it with uh, Lamar back there. So um, – and if Dobbins leaves – yeah, I'm out on the whole backfield. <laughs> now, okay. So just no Gus Edwards, no nothing, just just completely O-U-T. No, it's going to be it's going to end up being like uh like the old New England backfield where you just never know who's going to be that guy from week to week. <laughs> okay. Um now in terms of the wide receivers, the offense is changing um it's going to be interesting to see who kind of emerges. OBG, OOBJ, sorry, ADP of 48, wide receiver 43, Rashad Bateman, ADP of 133, wide receiver 50, Zay Flowers, ADP of 125, and wide receiver 48, Nelson Aguilar, currently no ADP. Is there anyone that we're interested in here? Yeah, so early on, Zay Flowers looks like an unstoppable beast at training camp. The guy just... <laughs> is looking awesome. Uh, so I like Flowers as a value pick. I mean, you might see him shoot up the the board a little bit more, um, but I really like that guy. I think he's going to be a great NFL player. Um, I'm not in on OBJ. 
I've really never have been. Um, and I'm currently out on Bateman because right now he's on the, the physically unable to play list and his injuries are really a major concern for me. So currently I'm not even looking at Bateman. Yeah, he can't even get on the field. And OG, the thing about Odell is that he hasn't played football since the Rams won the Super Bowl. I know. I know. He hasn't I, played football since the Rams won the Super Bowl. Let me repeat I, that. He hasn't <laughs> played football since the Rams won the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it's people need to people need to remember that. They they can't it's unrealistic they expect him to come in and just start balling out of control. Um, right. You know, we got Mark Andrews, tight end, finished as tight end four, and he was dis- that was a disappointing season for him. I mean, think of, that shows you how good he's been. He finishes a fourth-best tight end, and people consider that a down year. Currently, his ADP is 28. He's tight end two. What are your thoughts on him? Well, he's not tight end two in my book this year. You know, I've got Andrews around tight end five, and I think oh, you'll wow. be very, I think you'll be very disappointed this year if you take him as the second tight end in the draft. I mean, I'm one of those people that waits on tight ends in the draft anyway, so I'm out on Mark Andrews. I mean, he disappointed last year, but I think that same scenario could happen again this year. And I, I've got people. I mean, I've got Hawkinson above him. Um, yeah. I'm now. Yeah, because we just don't know. You know what I mean? Like with the more throwing to the outside, not so much throwing in the middle of the field. How is that going to cut into what Andrews does? We started to see his decline going into last back half of last season, but that was no Lamar. So I just don't. Right. And Lamar, no Lamar. tends to target him. I don't. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how this all like plans out at the end of the day with Lamar Jackson and everything. Yeah. We thought Hunley was going to uh, target Andrews more as a security blanket. And he didn't even do that when, uh, when Lamar was out. And from what I hear, the new, the new OC runs a lot of two tight end sets. So that could take some targets away. I, I'm just, I just out. I I just think Andrews is, He's not gonna. He's not gonna be that top three tight end that people are thinking he's gonna be oh, again. <laughs> I get it, dude. I mean, I I get it. I, I completely. I kind of agree with you too. I, I I think that with the change in the play caller and the change in the system, that's an, we have an we have an unknown element that we need to kind of account for. Um, so let's just kind of give a big review. We our first thing we talked about is the Dolphins. I'm only really targeting Tyreek Hill. Who are you targeting? I like A-Chain as a value pick. Um, and I like Waddle. I still like Waddle. Now, in terms of the Chargers, um, I, you know what? I'll take, I'll take a stab at Herbert. I'll target Herbert kind of like in the 6th or 7th. If I can get Herbie, I'll take him. Um, if I don't get Herbert... Maybe I'll take a flyer on Quinton Johnson a little bit later. Yeah. Mike Williams, hard to trust. Keenan Allen, up in, up in years. I don't – you know, that, that's basically my thought on him. What's your thoughts on the Chargers? Yeah, I, I still love Herbert. Um, Quinton Johnson I think is a good value pick just in case one of those two guys goes down, Allen or Williams. Um, 
Allen, yeah, like I said, he's a risky pick, but if you get him as a low end wide receiver too, I think I think that's okay. Um, and uh, I'm out on the Chargers backfield. <laughs> I'm out on the Chargers backfield too. And our last team, the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I'll be honest, like probably Zay Flowers. Um, I'll if Dobbins is out, I'll I'll target Gus Edwards, but I don't. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing we're at in this fantasy football with this whole situation going on in the running backs. You know, them, like, upset about their contracts, saying they're hurt. You know, it's just – it makes it real tough in terms of fantasy to kind of target anyone because we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's super hard. You know, Baltimore, I'm out on Lamar. I'm really only targeting Zay Flowers. The backfield scares me. I mean, last year – what was it? One guy fumbled on one play in week two and Harbaugh just benched him. And yeah. it's like, you have that guy and you're, you're screwed. So yeah. um, I just, I'm just not in on the uh, Ravens backfield. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. Should be an interesting season. I'm out on Lamar. I'm out yeah. on Lamar. Oh yeah. Me too. Um, I am definitely stepping back on Lamar Jackson. Nick, I'd like to thank you for coming on talking some fantasy football. In terms of next week, we're going to be going back. We're going to be doing three teams again, just because it's kind of crazy. By the time you guys have listened to this, there'd actually have been a preseason game played. Nick and I are recording before the Hall of Fame game between the Browns and the Jets. In terms of next week, next week we're going to be doing the Minnesota Vikings, New York. Oh, no, sorry. Minnesota Vikings, Jacksonville Jaguars, and the New York Giants. Ooh, so that's, that's an interesting one. So Vikings, Giants, and Jags should be good. Nick, I'd like to thank you for coming on and uh, talking some fantasy football. My friend, we'll talk soon, buddy. Always a pleasure. See you. Please give my boy Nick a follow at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Now let's shift our attention over to some CFL with our boy XFL Jim. We've reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some CFL and who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend. Oh, yeah. XFL, CFL, USFL. Depends what the season is, Jim. Jim, how are you doing today, my man? Oh, I'm doing real good, Eric. Doing good? You doing real good? good. You feeling it? I'm feeling it, baby. So, real quick, two takeaways from week nine. Go. From this, from what happened in week eight? Uh, No, we're in week ten right now, right? No, no, we are in week nine currently. Sorry, week eight, my friend. My friend, week eight. Sorry. Week eight, okay. Um, Toronto is able to just sleepwalk through the bad teams. That really cements them in the top spot. Edmonton... E- Every week, Edmonton continues to show us that they are even worse than we imagined. Montreal is the cutoff team. I was right on that from, like, I think I've been calling that since week three, that if you are a good team, you will beat Montreal. If you are a bad team, you will lose to Montreal. That was shown this week. And, uh, you know, we you shout out to you and me. Props to you and me for calling Hamilton over Ottawa. That's what we do, dude. The, the streak ends at two for Ottawa. It was fun while it lasted, Red Blacks, but it's not going to last forever. Now, real quick, let's go over our power rankings, if we will, for the um, 
going into this going into week nine. Obviously, at nine, I don't think it's going to come to any surprise. That's Edmonton. That's no. it's, it's the it's, it's got to be Edmonton. Uh, who's your eight? So I believe last week I had Saskatchewan here. Mm-hmm. I think just based off of losing to the way they've been playing. I'm still going to put Saskatchewan right here until they show me a little differently. All right. Um, I have the Red Blacks. See, that's who I have at seven. I have Hamilton at seven. I have Hamilton up next. So seven, I have Hamilton. Seven, you have the Red Blacks. Six, you have Hamilton? Correct. I have Calgary. Okay. I got Calgary at five. All right. Five, I have the Rough Riders. Okay, you still, oh, you're you're putting them way up there. Yeah, you know what, dude? I'm, I'm a little higher on the Rough Riders in the market. Um, they really are. Four, I have Montreal. I think it's just... I have Montreal as well. Three, I assume we both have Winnipeg. Three, I put BC, dude. I put Bombers at three. Interesting. Interesting. Even without Vernon Adams, I think BC's... I mean, we'll see this week, but... <laughs> I, I know this is in the past, but... We'll, we'll, we'll know the answer because they play each other. And then, obviously, one, Toronto. It's, Toronto's number one right now. Now, we are going into the games. Obviously, we're not going to cover the BC game because against Winnipeg because this is on Thursday night. It's Shout out, Lions, getting the dub. Lions, getting the dub. First game, Toronto laying nine over under 51. Against that's just, Calgary. That's What's too many points on the road, in my yeah. opinion. That's too many points on the road. Toronto seems to kind of just be like laxing along. Da, 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 da. I get that they're still covering these large spreads against the bad teams, but I think Calgary is a decent enough team. They're like the top of the bottom, in my opinion, that they can compete with this and at least cover nine. I think obviously Toronto's going to win, but I think Calgary can make it interesting. And you know what? I might even dabble on the over fifty-one. Oh, I thought you were gonna say money line. I was gonna get excited. I was gonna get no, I'm not. I'm not gonna touch the money line. That's not a Jimmy move. I'm um, not touching that money line. I, you know what? I'm I'm not betting this game. But if I were, I'd definitely take the nine. I would definitely take the nine. Um. Now let's go to the first game. Oh, the only game on Saturday. We have yeah, Montreal. it's a Sunday game this week. Per bet online, laying three over under 45 against the Tiger Cats. What say you, my friend? I'm going to take Montreal on the road here. I just, I don't know. I don't like what I've seen out of Hamilton a lot. They don't really have a clutch factor. I don't think they're going to have really any good semblance of a run game. Give me Montreal here on the road, minus three. I'm going to take the under 45. We have a difference of opinion, dude. I am all over the Tiger Cats here. I love my some home dogs. Taking, I'm taking the three. Like, who's Montreal to lay three? That's how I look at it. That's fair. I mean, if it was flipped around, I'd have Montreal by a touchdown. So I, I kind of like see the line movement. Last game. Sunday night. Ottawa Red Blacks laying one and a half against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders over under 44. I'm all in. I'm all in on Saskatchewan here. 
who were the Rough Riders to be favored on the road to anybody? I wouldn't. Exactly. I don't know necessarily if I'd take them favored they? on the road versus the Elks. Who are they to be laying points? Yeah. Who are I, they to be laying points? Give me the Rough Riders straight up. Like I, I'm just gonna take the points. Like I don't. No, I'm taking straight up. Give me the Rough okay. Riders straight up. Don't care. Yeah. So just to review, I have two bets. I'm taking the Tiger Cats plus the three, and I am taking the Rough Riders plus the one and a half. You know what? What happens if I do throw these in a nice little parlay? Oh, nice I'll, little, nice little talking, corn dog parlay. We're talking parlays. I'll got a parlay for your ass. And, you know, what happens if I do a nice little home dog parlay here? Let me see. Let me see what happens if I do a nice little... Nice little doggy parlay here. Okay. Nice little cool. doggy parlay. So if I do plus 105, plus 135, give me a parlay here that pays out at plus 382. That's what I'm going to be doing, my friend. I'm not, I got no parlay for you this week, Eric, but you want to hear all the bets that I'm making? Because I think I have yeah. at least two bets in every game. You know what, Jim? I, I have a free 25 minutes to so go at it. Calvary plus nine at home versus Toronto. And you know what? I'm going to pull the trigger on it. Give me the over 51. Montreal minus three on the road, under 45. And Saskatchewan straight up plus 105 on the money line. And under 44 in the Red Blacks Rough Riders game. So obviously the Alex have a bye. I need to ask you this. They're so bad. I need to ask you this, though. Ask why. Pulling up the scores, you know, coming, dude, he's got embarrassed. They're going to be hosting. They're going to get embarrassed again next week. I know, but these guys played earlier in the season, and it was a competitive first half. I will take the Elks first half. My question to you is this. First half was 6-6. You know, like, against BC – a lot of it does depend on the outcome of this game and if mm-hmm. Winnipeg wins or if they lose and how competitive the game is. Like, if they're coming off a pretty bad loss, like if Winnipeg's coming off a bad loss, they're going to want to throttle Edmonton. Yeah. All right. I'll tell you what, man. I, I will be on them. I will be on them for the first half. There's a very realistic chance that Edmonton doesn't win in a single game this entire season. You don't think they win a single game? I'm, they might. They might get somebody, but there is a real chance that they don't and just lose out. the way, Dude, the way they've been playing has been embarrassing. Like, maybe they get... but they, So, like, they don't play Saskatchewan again. That was their closest game. Yeah. They... Let's see, like... Next week, obviously, they play Winnipeg. Don't think they win that game. Maybe they beat Hamilton. Maybe. Maybe they beat Ottawa. Yeah. But after that, it's like it's Calgary two times in a row. Oh, they do play Saskatchewan one more time. Maybe they beat Saskatchewan, but then it's BC. Then it's it's BC. It's Toronto. It's Montreal. It's Winnipeg. It's just not conducive to a winning season. They might not win a game. 
If there's a bet I can make for, like, what are the odds that fucking Edmonton doesn't win a single game the rest of the season? What's the worst record in CFL history? Uh, NFL, NFL. 2003, Hamilton Tiger Cats lost 17 games. You looking at CM? That's Wikipedia. Worst regular season records: nineteen forty nine, Hamilton was zero and twelve. Twenty oh three, one and seventeen. Yeah, it was Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. Saskatchewan one and fifteen. So. So Hamilton hasn't won a game in 1946 and 1949. Winnipeg, 1-14. Hamilton, 1-14. Jesus, you want to talk about a rough stretch? What were they in 1947? What the? I don't know. Because I'm looking at it right here, like 1949, 0-12. 1946, 0-10. 1948, 1-10-1. Just a rough stretch of football there in, uh, the, up there in Hamilton, dude. How do you feel like this about Ottawa? Ottawa in 2019, 1996, 1995, and 19, 1987, 3-15. and 15. <laughs> Eric, when do you think the Edmonton Elks first last – sorry, when do you think they last won a home game? What was it, like four years ago? October 26, 2019. Jesus, dude. That was the last time this team has won a home game. They are they have the longest home losing streak at 21 home games in a row. But when's the next time? When's the next time they're going to win a game? Like, do you think they win one this year? I think, I mean, it's probably against, like, Saskatchewan or... I mean, law of averages say... They will win one. They will win one. I won't see it coming, but they will win one. I mean, law of averages says says they're going to win one. They will win one. They will win one. I just don't know when I can see it coming. If you look back at the days, though, man, they long for the old days. Most consecutive seasons of 500 or better, the Edmonton Eskimos, 1972 to 1998. 1972 to 1998. They also, the the 85 to 97 Edmonton Eskimos, 13-10 win-plus seasons. Jesus, dude. Brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Also, most consecutive playoff appearances. They had 34 consecutive playoff appearances from 1972 to 2005. All right, real quick. Let's just look through this Edmonton schedule real quick. Real, real quick. Um, So their next game, they play Winnipeg at home. They have Ottawa at home on the 27th of August. That's a maybe, but it's at home, so I would say no. Well, no, we're trying to figure out the next time they're going to win a game. I know. At, I, just, I don't think it's that one. At home. Yeah, I don't think it's Calgary, that one. Calgary, September 9th. Uh, that's a maybe, but probably not. 
BC September twenty second, and then they're no, they play they play Saskatchewan September fifteenth. Is that home? No, it's away. So maybe that one. Oh no, I'm talking about just home games. Oh, home games. Uh, so the most well, likely I mean, home game is probably this next one at Ottawa. So the remaining home games are Montreal, BC, Calgary, Ottawa, and Winnipeg. Yeah, it's probably Ottawa out of all those. Jim, hopefully it makes it. I'd like to thank you for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on the social media, my friend? You can find me everywhere at XFL Jim, YouTube, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you guys know where to find me. And live streaming Saturday for the Indoor Football League play, uh, Championship. Sorry, I've been saying the playoffs so long. It's Indoor Football League, the IFL Championship this Saturday, streaming my watch along. And then Friday night, I'm going to do a little, little sumo. Sumo watch along. Maybe do some betting on some sumo. I like it. I like it. Make sure to give my boy a follow at XFL Gym on all social media. We will talk soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Please give my boy Jim a follow at XFL Gym. Now let's shift your attention over to some NASCAR. We've reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some NASCAR and who better than come on than Brandon at Boston Boy 83. Brandon, how are you doing today, my man? Doing good, man. Still riding that high of uh, a 60 to 1 odds that we grabbed last week. A Harvick a top 10. Like, that was a nice, nice yeah. day. Bruno, we had Harvick over Byron. Yep. Almirillo, top 10. Yes. And you called Busher to win at 61. So, great day if you want, if you've, if you listen, Taylor Betts, positive ROI. And that's what we're here for. Obviously, this week we're shifting over, we're going to Michigan. You ran it Wednesday night in the iRace. What tell us about the track and everything and what what tracks it plays similar to? Uh Fontana for sure, it's similar to. Other than that, there's not, I mean, maybe auto club, but uh it's a two, possibly three groove track. You can run up by the wall. The middle lane is preferred once the tires settle in, and the low line is where you're gonna see a lot of slide jobs. Something that I noticed on Wednesday night, if you try to pull the slide job and you don't clear somebody, you're going to lose three or four positions. So the draft and getting the run off the top is huge. Also, running top three the whole race. At the end of these races, when these tires are shot, if somebody tries to do a slide job, they're going to wash up and cause a big wreck. And unfortunately, I was part of that. But it's uh, it's a multi-group track, and drafting is going to be a lot of play in this and so will tires now when you mean what do you mean by slide job so if you're behind somebody on the back stretch and then you dive it into the corner as hard as you can and your momentum is going to go faster than the person on the top and you're hoping you clear them and slide up in front of them to where they have to push you at that point but if you don't clear them by attempting that slide job you're going to lose three or four positions because these are long straightaways. Now we're getting to the kind of the interesting part of the season where drivers need to win to get in, to lock in their position. Obviously we're kind of attacking it with a couple of our bets. You have four bets. I have three bets. I will let you lead us off. I am going to start with Kyle Larson himself. Um, we know what he can do. I said Fontana's a track that he runs that runs similar. He's very good there, but he's also had three wins at Michigan. It was third and seventh in the last two years at Michigan, and he won at Fontana last year. 
I usually don't like going this low, but it's hard to steer away from uh, Kyle Larson at seven to one. Uh, he will, as long as there's no issues or wrecks, he will 100% be battling for the win at come the checkered flag at the end of that race. I like that. My first one, I'm going to my boy, Uncle Kev, Kevin <laughs> Harvick, nine to one. Second best average finish last four race, four races here, three wins in that time span, which is absolutely insane. In the same time span, he has led 31% of the laps in those four races. Let's just look at the last eight races here. First, 14th, first, 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 seventh, first, second. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, he's really, you know what I mean? This is his better, this is one of his better tracks. Obviously, he's in a position. If the playoffs started right now, he would be in it, but he wants to guarantee it. With Busher winning that race last week, you know, there's one less spot on the points. You know what I mean? Like it's getting a little bit tighter and these guys who have a chance to win, they need to win. This is one of his better tracks. We saw it here last year. He needed a win to get in. He won and he got in. I'll take Harvick nine to one. So I like the uncle Kev bet because to your point, I think the man's going to win a race this year. Um, I like that. So I'm going to go with somebody right next to him in odds. He's raced at this track 34 times. He might only have one win here, but prior to last year's race crash, he has also had nine consecutive top tens. He also won in past February in Fontana is coming off a third place result Sunday. Kyle Busch, Rowdy himself, is sitting at 10 to one. You can't ever count this guy out. He might only won Michigan once, but another guy that ran Fontana really well in nine consecutive top tens. The man knows how to drive the track. I like him sitting at 10 to 1. That's nice to be able to grab him in a double-digit number. Yeah, anytime you get him at yes. that, that's that's absolutely phenomenal. My next one, I'm going to a head-to-head. This will, you know, no pressure. We've hit two in a row. You know, going for the third one in a row. I am going, and this one is at plus money. And this one kind of stood out to me. I'm taking Eric Jones over Austin Dillon at plus 110 juice. Dylan 20th best average finish here last five races he only has one top 10 here Jones top 10 here last year um he has an average finish in the same span of 16 you look at his last six races his average finish is like 15 point and change rounded up to 16 let's just call it 16. Dylan's is 23. So Jones is running better. He's hotter going in, historically better at this track. I like Eric Jones here in the head-to-head matchup, and I'm getting plus money. Plus 110. I'm I'm in on it. I like it, and I, I'm gonna save. I was gonna go one more step down, but with you bringing up Eric Jones, his average finish might be 16th right now in the last few races. He was eighth. He finished eighth here last year. And he also has four top 11 finishes in the last six, in the last six weeks. You like him for a top 10. I'm throwing a Hail Mary like I did with Busher last week. Eric Jones is sitting at a whopping 100 to one odds when he's being consistent. That's what made me lean to Busher last week. 
at 60 to one. I was like, the guy's running consistent, top 10 finishes. What hasn't battled for basically a win all year, but you start to see that momentum. So you got the top 10 or uh, the head to head. I've got him winning the race as a long shot at a hundred to one based off a of recent consistency. I like it. You know, I, I was looking at that. I was looking at top tens and then I just saw the Dylan one. So I, I just did that. My next one, you mentioned running in good form. I'm taking Kozlowski 25. to Yeah. Um, last four races, three top six finishes. So he's running good. Um, you know, he's led 102 laps last race, should have won last race, but his partner, Chris Busher did, racing mate. The announcers made an interesting statement, too, when it was when, when it was all going on. And the statement that was made was this. When Team RFK is running good, they're always toward the front. Yes, both of them. They're always toward the front, and they've seen over the last couple of races, they've looked really good. Yes. So I think that trend's going to continue. I am going to back Brad Kozlowski, who needs a win, who's won at this track before. This is his home track right in his backyard. So I get a good team, a team that's – I think they're kind of figuring it out. You know yeah. what I mean? I felt last year Brad was too busy trying to be an owner. Yep. And he was spreading himself too thin. He's only one person. I feel this year, however, he's kind of found that balance, if you will. Yeah. Focusing on the racing, doing what's right for the team, putting everyone in a position. I kind of like what I'm seeing from RFK here. So I'm taking I'm taking Brad at 25 to 1 at a nice juicy price. I like that, and you're 100% right. RFK has figured something out right now that's setting him completely outside the competition. Um, I'm going to sound like a broken record with my last one. He's moved up to 40 points out of the cutoff line, so there's still a possibility with the tracks left he could get in, but he can't risk it. The consistency has not been there. Wasn't there last week. Wasn't there the week before. But at some point, I feel how – who can I try to compare this to before I give his name? When you watch elite quarterbacks play bad three weeks in a row, like you know that next week, like they're gonna have that breakout game. Chase Elliott at 12 to 1. I I still don't see this man not winning a race after winning almost six races last year and missing a playoff this year. Like I I don't see it happening. And again, when you can get him at double odds, 12 to 1, I can't steer away from the nine car. Has he shown us something? No, not at all. But we've ran into this like Harvick last year, not performing at all. Boom, snapped it, won a race in the playoff and kept momentum going. I just yeah. you can call me a homer, too. I just I don't I don't see this happening week after week. Now, I like that play. He's going to have to win, you know, to get in because I'm looking at it right now. Top 16 get in. Yeah. Right now, he's 40 points out, as you mentioned. Um, But. You know, Bubba, Bubba's done good at this. He he could get a win. Yeah. You know, Kozlowski's sitting at 11th. Yeah. But guys under him, I mean, you know, you got Alex Bowman right there, who I think could be a little bit sneaky. Maybe he could get something going. Um, You know, you got Aaron, Eric Jones. You got Grayson, who did the um, 
who did the uh, the testing there. So yeah, it's I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And he's kind of in a position where we haven't seen him before ever needing to win to get in. So Denny Hamlin, if you guys are looking for any other podcast, you need to go listen to him. He's very blunt, doesn't know filter anything. He guaranteed Monday that Chase will get in on points. And his argument was look at the names ahead of him and look at the tracks coming up because you have two back-to-back road courses, which Chase specializes in. And you're battling Bubba, who doesn't race at road courses, Michael McDowell, Brad Keselowski, terrible at road courses. So there's still that possibility, but you can't risk it due to exactly what you said. Bubba sneaks a win. Brad sneaks a win. Well, now you're not battling a point system. You're battling another win, and you just can't get in that way. And you mentioned, I mean, the thing is, dude, you mentioned road courses. Who's running and eligible for the playoffs this year? Almondinger. Yeah. Sendrick is a great road crosser. Yeah. Road, road course racer. Justin Haley. Look what he yeah. did at Chicago Street Race. You know, so I, I, I understand what Denny Hamlin is saying, but I kind of feel if you put all your eggs in one basket, you're kind of setting yourself up for potential failure. Just because if you let hypothetically, let's say, but a new, a new winner wins here, how many races we got left? Four, five. And then let's say Dinger pulls out something, you know, it's just, but let's do one better. Let this soak in chase finished second at Chicago, right? Yeah. The guy that finished in front of him, SVG, not eligible, not anything, but took that win from Chase to where if that man didn't race for track house in a third car, Chase would be in the playoff right now. They well, yeah, but, like, SVG, I mean, but SVG is going to run at Indianapolis. Yeah. So he could come out and get a second win and still prevent yeah. Chase from getting into that win. So you've got to win to get in. I'm sorry. Like, that's just how it is. Go big or go home. Yeah. So interesting. You know, one of the bigger names in a position we haven't seen him before. Brandon, I'd like to thank you for coming on talking some NASCAR. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and the next time you have a race, my friend. Uh, Boston Boy 83, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter. We are racing next Wednesday night at 9. And where are they at next week in, in real life? I think it's Lucas Oil Speedway for the truck. So kind of like a small, flat, short track. So make sure to check that out. I was there. I was watching along. I thought, you know what, dude? I was trying to be I was trying to be supportive. I sent you a nice supportive message afterwards. They actually uh, they announced your comment on the actual broadcast. I don't know if you even heard that. No, I had it. What, what yeah, they're like, because there's a couple of people in there talking about one driver. And they're like, oh, somebody, Etoff says, let's go B. And they're like, who's who's B? He must be talking about Brandon. <laughs> I did, well, next, next, next time I will uh I will uh I'll spell out your name for you. How about that? <laughs> All good, buddy. Come join us, guys. It's a lot of fun. Oh, it's a great time, guys. Make sure to check it out. You know what? Let's keep the hot streak going. Let's yes. make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Until next week, my friend. Bye, everybody. I'd like to thank Brandon for coming on. Make sure you give my boy Brandon a follow at BostonBoy83. 
that's it for the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. Make sure to watch the ETOF 21 Sports show this Tuesday when we're going to be previewing the NFC East. I'd like to thank this week's guest, XFL Jim, at NAA Fantasy and at Boston Boy 83. Also, Jesus Christ, what do you know? Brutal beat losing the first half under of 13 and 16 and a half. Sometimes you just have to laugh and move on, and that's what we're going to do. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Until next week, boys and girls.